This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Have you ever walked into a building sort of lost in your own thoughts or maybe with a good friend and you were visiting and and so you walked up to the elevator and punched the button and the doors open. You stepped into the elevator. And again, lost in your own thoughts or visiting with a friend, you forgot to punch the button for the floor where you were going. Anybody ever done that? Of course you have, right? And it doesn't dawn on you until the elevator door opens and you're expecting to get out on a different floor. But people have actually punched the button and they're getting in and you look and it's right where you started it's a little sheepish grin. Uh, oh, yeah, we forgot to punch the button. So then you punch the proper button and you go. I was thinking about times that I had done that. I was thinking about sometimes how we do that at church. See, the whole point of church is that we would come and meet with God. So we enter in terms of spiritual development on the ground floor. And God's idea of church is that we would meet him here And that we would learn and grow in not only information but application so that when we leave this week, we get out on a higher floor than we got here. Everybody on board with that? But have you ever gone to church and forgotten to punch the button? Right? So you enter on the ground floor and your mind has been elsewhere and whatever else happens and you find that when you leave, you're leaving right on the same floor you got there on. Okay? My prayer this morning is that we'll all punch the button, okay? Uh, I'm really excited to bring a teaching this morning, and on the surface it's going to sound basic, but I can tell you that it's got the power to change our lives, and I'm pretty sure that every single person in this room is going to learn something this morning, including me. So I invite you along on that Bible teaching. Why don't you reach inside your program, pull out your fill-in-the-blank notes and fill-in-the-blanks. As we go along, for those of you who are here for the very first time, let me introduce myself. My name is Ron, and I'm New Life Senior Pastor. I'll be hanging out in the lobby afterwards, and if I didn't get a chance to meet you on the way in, I would love to meet you before you leave, uh, just so I can uh, hopefully try to put a face with your name. And uh, hopefully, this will be a life-changing morning for you. We are tying up a teaching series called Beyond GPS. And I was reading a passage of Scripture this week, and it sort of just jumped off the page at me. And so let's go to that passage. here. It's here in Psalm chapter 32. And I'm just going to call this, this is the promise. This is what God says. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Let's read that out loud together because we need to hear that from God. We'll start with the words, I will. Ready? Let's read. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Does that not sound like God's promising to be our GPS in life? Yeah, there's some really important things for us to know there. God says, based on my unlimited knowledge of how life works, Based on my complete knowledge of who you are, God knows every strength that's in your life. He knows every weakness that you have. He knows every temptation that you have. He knows every experience that you've had in life. He knows your background. He knows your family. He knows everything about you. 
And God said, based on all of that knowledge, I've put it together and I am marking out for you the very best pathway for your life and I will be your GPS. And if you draw near to me, I'll give you the instructions you need to stay on that course. Wow. That's pretty cool stuff. That's what we all want. So since that's really cool, why don't we just do that? Right? Well, if we all just did that, we could close up shop and go home and just do it, right? But if we read the very next verse, God deals with a reality in our lives. Take a look at the very next verse. Don't be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. Is that an interesting contrast? Have you ever felt like a horse or a mule in life? Yeah, no, you don't want to raise your hand, but the truth is you have, right? And you feel like, man, in order for God to keep you on the right path, he's got to put a bit in your mouth, he's got to yank. You ever tried to get a horse to go on a path the horse didn't want to go on? You think, what a good is that bit anyway? Because I'm yanking on that thing pretty good. If that was in my mouth, I'd be turning, right? But man, if the horse doesn't want to go, instead of turning, it bucks, right? Have you ever done that? Yeah, we probably all have. God says, now, i got a deal here. I'm going to be your GPS in life. But don't be like a horse or a mule and make me put a bit in your mouth and just sort of manhandle you or God handle you through life. Listen up. Now, the truth is, if you have a GPS, you've had your GPS on, you're driving down the road, and the friendly voice on the GPS says, you are now off course. You've heard that voice, right? Then it says, recalculating. And then every once in a while, it will say, make a legal U-turn as quickly as possible. Can I tell you that that's a message that God wants to send our way this morning? Not that every one of us is completely off course. We'll get into it a little bit later in the application zone. But there's a message that God wants to send us this morning, and that is we've all in some way found ourselves off course. So what do we do when we're off course? We're going to do exactly what the GPS said. We're going to make a legal U-turn as soon as possible. Notice what Peter said to the people of his day here in Acts chapter 3. He said, now repent. I want you to circle and underline that word repent because we're going to spend the whole morning talking about that process. He said, repent of your sins and turn to God so that two things can happen. Number one, so that your sins may be wiped away. Good thing or bad thing? Good thing. And so that times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Good thing or bad thing? Great thing. Yeah. It's beyond good. But you notice, where does it begin? What's the first word that Peter says to them in terms of instruction? Repent. Wow. Here's what you need to know. In the original language, the word repent, that's the Greek word that's translated repent in your English Bible, means two things. It can be translated, make a U-turn, Or if you have a military background, it means about face. Okay? God says, I'm calling you. This is the best pathway for your life. 
But there's something on the inside of us that says, I not only want to color outside the lines, occasionally I'd like to live outside the lines. So God marks out this boundary. There's all sorts of things we can do inside the boundary. And it's a boundary of safety and goodness and blessing and wonderful path for our life. And we go, but I would like to know what it's like over there. It's that thing on the inside of us that when we're walking along a path and we see a sign that says, stay off the grass. That makes us want to go, oh yeah? How many times have you and I stepped on grass? Millions. So what does one more do for us? Nothing other than we got to be outside the bounds. And it does something on the inside of us. By the way, that's not the best part of us that appeals to. Okay? That's the rebellious nature. That's the bit and bridle part of us that God's trying to work on. So it means God's calling me this way. I go this way, and God says, about face, okay? Make a U-turn and come this way because this is actually the best pathway for your life. Now, so far, that's probably, there's probably not any real news in that. If you've come to church more than a half a dozen times in your life, you probably heard that concept, and I'm glad you have. But here's the deal. When we use this Bible word, repent, have you ever noticed that we never use the re- word repent outside of church? Ladies, when was the last time your husband was driving down the road and he said, I believe I'm off course. I'm going to repent down there at that corner. <laughs> we just don't use the word outside of church. And the problem with not using the word outside of church is that oftentimes then we don't have a really good understanding of when we open our Bible and God calls us to repent and, and, and we think it's this, but it's actually this, then there's an amazing thing that happens in our life. We do this and we think, I have repented, but it doesn't bring the fruit into our life that repentance is supposed to because what we actually did wasn't repentance. It was partial repentance. So then guess what happens? And I know you've been here. We end up repenting over and over again for the same sin. Anybody on board with that? Ever been there? Yeah. Now this morning, God has good news for us. He's going to show us how to break that cycle. Because the truth is, when I talk with Christian people, and I, and I, I, I sort of took an informal poll over this last week when I was around people and just asking them, so what does the word repent means? I get pretty much a stock answer. Repent means to be sorry for the sins that you've done and genuinely sorry. It means to confess them to God, and it means to ask Him for repentance. I mean, for forgiveness. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That's pretty much what most of us think repentance is. Well, good, because that is actually step one of four. Okay? So when you do a job and you do only one quarter of it, does it usually work very well? No. Okay? So let's take a look at the process of repentance. Okay? There are four steps to it. And the first step is this. And that is I must discern and admit that I am out of God's will. You see, if I don't know that I'm out of God's will, I'm never going to repent, you know, until I know that I'm off course. Am I ever going to make a U-turn? No, not really. 
I have to discern that. Well, how do I discern it? I want to give you four telltale signs. You've got to look for the telltale signs. And God will give them to you. Number one, this is an obvious one, but believe it or not, there are people in this audience sitting right here this morning that are right here. Okay? And that is when I'm living in violation of a biblical commander principle. Kevin has talked with you quite a bit about that the first two weeks in the sermon series. But the truth is, if, if, if you're this morning as you're sitting here, if you know that you are living in violation of one of God's commands or principles, and you're saying, but God, I'm really here to seek and pursue and follow your will. Please be my GPS. He just keeps beeping on that one. Have you noticed? We'll talk to you a little bit later why he does that. Okay? So that's the first thing. That's easy to discern. The second thing is this. You may have a troubled conscience. God put a conscience on the inside of you, and it's a voice that he uses to speak to you. And you may have never picked up the Bible and read a specific command or principle in there, but you notice that every time you have a particular behavior, something on the inside doesn't feel all that good. That's your conscience. And you can be sure But when your conscience is bothering you, I don't care what the subject matter is, you can be sure that you are outside of God's will. Because he would call you to a place of a clean conscience. Okay? Here's number three. Here's the third telltale sign. Lack of fulfillment and peace. Now, a lot of times this happens with people that we think of sin as doing something God says not to do. But the Bible says there's a whole flip side of sin, and that is not doing something God has told you to do. And oftentimes when, when I'm going through life and I'm struggling and, I, and, and I'm not feeling the peace and the fulfillment that I should, it's a sign to me that I'm outside of God's will. And usually that's not because of something I'm doing. It's because of something I'm not doing. Because when I'm walking with God, he brings into my life uh, an inner peace and a joy and a fulfillment that's energizing and it's enriching and, 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 it, and it wakes me up and it empowers me in this life. And the fourth telltale sign is this, a critical or judgmental spirit. I've noticed this in myself and I've noticed it in people I know really well. When we get sort of a bee in our bonnet and we're finding things wrong with everybody and we're pick, 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 picking at people and we can spot everything that's wrong in everybody else's life, you know what that usually means? I'm not in a good space myself. Yeah. Okay? Those are major telltale signs. So the first thing you have to do is discern that you're out of God's will. Now, the second thing you have to do is admit it. And in admit it, I mean you have to communicate it. And interestingly enough, there are three people you have to communicate it to. And if you don't, if you don't get this down, it's not going to work. You know the first person you have to communicate it to? Yourself. You ever have a conversation with yourself? Yeah, you need to. Have a heart-to-heart with yourself. I don't, I don't know if you call yourself self. Hey, self. You know? But I have conversations with Ron. Say, Ron, let's take a look at this man. And I've got to be straight up about that. And you know one of the hardest things to do is to have a conversation with yourself and say it out loud and spell out what either what you should be doing that you're not doing or what you shouldn't be doing 
that you are doing. Because until you have that conversation with yourself, you can never have it with God, and you've got to be specific. Everybody on board with that? So then you go to God. And you have to be just as specific with God as you were with yourself. And you can say, and oftentimes I do, God, you just heard me talking with myself. Okay? So now I'm here to talk with you. Okay? And just as I talked with myself and, and, and laid it out, and as you helped me lay it out, you know what I'm struggling with. I'm here to talk to you about, and I'm here to tell you that I am struggling with, and I spell it out. Okay? That's really important. And then ask God for forgiveness, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But then there's a third person that oftentimes you need to talk to. And that is, if what you have done is actually sinning against a person and it it has caused damage or hurt in their life, it's not enough for you just to get forgiveness from God and figure, oh, well, not important. No, you hurt that person. It's time for you to get up off of your knees, go find that person and apologize to them and ask for their forgiveness. Because, you know, have you noticed that these get increasingly tougher? It's one thing to talk to yourself and admit it to yourself. But then when you've got to kneel before God and you've got to admit it before Him, that's a little tougher. But most of us can do that because we know God's gracious and He'll always forgive, right? It's when you go to your neighbor and you don't know for sure what your neighbor's going to do because he's not God. And he might just get mad and blow you off. Yeah. But if you've hurt somebody, you have to go to them. But now let's just suppose that this is not a sin that you hurt somebody, but this is a sin that's been a recurring problem in your life. And it has a foothold in your heart. Now the truth is, if you've been through this process before, and this thing keeps recurring in your life, the truth is, if you could have solved it on your own, you would have already. Am I right? Yeah. So now you know what you got to do? you got to select a person or two and you have to go sit down with them and you have to say, I need your help in overcoming this sin in my life. Now I know all of us to some degree or another have, our lives have touched someone who's in recovery. Every person you've ever met that's in recovery that has done so successfully has selected a sponsor, Correct? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking to you about. Don't make yourself have to go to AA to get a sponsor. Have a conversation with yourself. Have a conversation with God. And if it's a recurring thing, select, choose a, choose a person that can speak into your life and ask them to come alongside and speak into your life. That, by the way, is step number one. Okay? So you know what John says? Let's look here in 1 John chapter 1. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Can you see the discerning side of it there? Yes. And then, but if we confess our sins, that's the admitting side of it. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let's go to step number two. Step number two is this. I must accept and walk in forgiveness. 
I can't tell you how many people I've met in my life who have gone to God for forgiveness, who have gone to other people for forgiveness, and everyone has forgiven them except for them. Friends, you cannot walk in freedom if you don't accept and walk in the forgiveness that God gives. Now, you're not the first person who struggled with that. Take a look at the screen and let's read this passage. Paul wrote to the people in Colossae and said, God has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You think they had been forgiven or were they just born perfect? They were forgiven, right? But notice what he says at the end. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. I want to teach you a principle about accepting God's forgiveness. And here it is. God will not make you walk in freedom. And others can't. God will not force that freedom on you. He extends it to you. He gives it to you through what His Son did on the cross. But you have to accept it in your life You have to embrace it and you have to walk in it. You have to bless him for it. And then you have to get up as a forgiven person and move on in this life. It's all there for you, but it's a part of repentance. Repentance isn't just confessing your sin. It isn't just telling God how bad you've been. But but the next step in repentance is receiving forgiveness from him and walking in it. Now, I want to tell you a couple of things about this too. God may not remove all the consequences from your sin. Okay? Let's just suppose that you've abused alcohol for 30 years. And it's sort of torn up your family and it's messed up your body and so forth. And you come to church and you hear a sermon on repentance. Say, I'm, I'm repenting. And sure enough, God's going to come into your life and he's going to do a couple things. Number one, he's going to forgive you for what you've done. Number two, he's actually going to deliver you from the practice of abusing alcohol. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to automatically put together your family in a loving, cohesive unit like it was intended to be. Because your children have minds and wills of their own and they've been damaged by your behavior. And it doesn't mean that if your liver has been compromised that all of a sudden God's going to reverse all the consequences in your liver and your liver's going to last forever. It doesn't mean that. God may not remove all the consequences of your sin. However, it's important that you know this. Whatever those consequences are, if you bring them to him... He will redeem them in some way. So suppose your life is ended prematurely because your liver fails. God's going to give you the opportunity to speak into the lives of other people so that they can avoid the mistakes that you've made and that may become the central ministry of your life for however long it lasts. God will bring good out of every consequence that you bring to him and trust him with. And that's step number two, is walk in that forgiveness that God gives. Accept it and walk in it. Step number three is as important as the first two. And that is, I must ask God for revised directions. Now suppose you're driving down the road and the voice comes on your GPS and it says... Um, you are now off course, recalculating. 
There's a moment of uncertainty there, right? What am I supposed to Am I supposed to turn left? Am I supposed to turn right? How am I going to get back on course? Now, let's just suppose that the voice comes back and, on the GPS and says, I don't have a clue how to get you back. Best of luck. <laughs> You're going to go, why did I buy this thing? Or suppose the message that comes back is actually worse. It says, I have determined you cannot get there from here. you would throw the thing away. Because the truth is that one of the reasons that you and I buy a GPS isn't just to point us in the right direction, it's also to correct us when we've taken a wrong turn. Yeah. Same thing is true with God. You see, you haven't fully repented when you've gone to God and just said, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm going to try not to do that again. No. You've got to say, God, would you give me some directions? Because listen to me carefully. The directions that God gives you will not only get you back on course, but he will actually give you directions that will keep you on course so that you don't have to repent of this sin again and again and again. Sometimes we don't actually listen to the directions. We think we've repented when God has forgiven us and we feel all better now. No, we've got to listen for directions, okay? Because Henry Ford one time said, failure is the opportunity to begin again only more intelligently, okay? Can I appropriate that? Let's appropriate that to repentance. Because repentance is the opportunity to begin again, but more intelligently. So I want to encourage you. If your problem is yelling at your kids, it's not going to do you any good to say, Oh God, I did it again. Please forgive me. Okay, I promise, I promise, I promise. I'll never raise my voice at my kids again. And by 3 o'clock that afternoon, you're going nuts. Because... One of two things is going to happen. You're going to bite your lips so hard you're going to bleed. Or you're going to end up to be such a pent-up, frustrated person. You're not going to know what to do. Right? Have you been there before? Sure you have. Because you went to God and told Him what you did wrong. And you told Him you weren't going to do it again. But you didn't get any instructions from Him on how not to be so frustrated with your children that you wanted to yell and scream at them. So though you're back on course, you don't know how to stay on course. So you've got to go back and ask God for directions. And you know what that means? Now you have the opportunity to begin again only more intelligently. I wrote this in my notes, that Christians are not just forgiven, they're instructed. they got instructions on the other side of forgiveness. Now let's go to number four. I must act immediately on the instructions God gives, on the directions he gives. So vitally, vitally important. Take a look at what the Bible says. Jesus said to his followers, now that you know these things, now that you've received these instructions, God will bless you for doing them. See, obedience brings a couple of things. Number one, it brings God's blessing. Will you be more effective with God's blessing or without it? What do you think? 
more effective with God's blessing. And then number two, it brings continued revelation. I want to wrap up this teaching, not just this morning's teaching, but the whole teaching on the GPS thing with this illustration. When you get in your car at night and it's dark, after you start your engine, before you leave the driveway, you turn on the headlights, correct? Because if you don't have headlights, you don't have a prayer of getting where you want to go. But now follow me. When you turn on your headlights, can you usually see your final destination just by turning on your headlights? No, no. Usually you can see about 100 yards ahead. And that's all you can see. Do you say, I'm not going to drive that 100 yards until I see the destination? No. You recognize that that 100 yards illuminates enough for me to take this first step in the journey. And if you drive that 100 yards, what can you now see? The next 100 yards, right? And if you repeat that process long enough and often enough, eventually, I don't care if your journey is, is, you know, three blocks away or 100 miles away, if you repeat that process often enough, eventually you end up knowing the information you need to know in order to arrive at your destination. And friends, following God's will is just like that. When you come to Christ and you say, speak into my life, He turns on the headlights and you can see the next little bit. And then he waits for you to obey. And when you obey, it not only brings blessing, it brings further revelation. You can see the next little bit. And when you drive that next little bit in your life, when you punch the button on your elevator and you go up that floor, right? And you get out of church and you're now on a new floor. God goes, great, I can illuminate where your path is to go next. Now, tying all of that together, okay, it brings blessing and so forth. Every once in a while, we tell ourselves this little white lie. I know what I should do, and I'm going to do it. I'm not rebelling against God. I know what I should do, and I intend to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm just not ready to do it now. You ever told yourself that? Yeah. Okay. Should write this down. It's on your notes. Delayed obedience is actually disobedience. You got it? You know why it's disobedience? Because it still leaves you in control. You're making all the choices about when, where, and how. Let's move to the application zone. So, how does this apply? Well, there's three groups of people here this morning, and I want to start with a group of people who come to church all the time. You've been Christians for years. And so, wow, how does this apply to me? Well, the truth is, God has a next step for you. Last time I checked, you're not in heaven yet, correct? And no one's confused you with Jesus, okay? So there's still a little gap in there, all right? So there is a next chapter in your spiritual development. And the only way you're going to get there is to discern what that is. Admit that you're not there yet. Talk to yourself and to God about that. Go to Him for instructions and then act immediately on those instructions. And if you do that, you will grow and you will develop and you will leave on a different floor than you came. 
Friends, that's repentance. Repentance isn't always talking about something bad you've done. It's about acknowledging to God where you are and where you want to be. And it's, and it's taking this process and putting it in your life. So as we've talked this morning, God has a next step for you. And he's probably talked to you about it already. It's time for you to take action. It could be a sin in your life that no one knows about. and It's not that big a sin or whatever, but, but God's been talking to you about it. It's time for you to repent of that. It could be a next step, something that you should be doing, like being a life group leader and you've never done that before or serving in the children's ministry or being one of our service hosts or it could be anything. It's time for you to take the next step, listen to God and respond. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. Some of us in the audience, we, we don't need sort of a minor tune-up and adjustment we need an overhaul, okay? We know good and well that we have wandered away from God very significantly for a significant period of time. We're like the prodigal son who's just been away from God. I want to tell you there's good news for you. God says, just like in the story of the prodigal son, when he finally said, wow, I got it. I need to go back to my father. I need to change everything about my life. I would call that a rededication. Some of us in this audience this morning, that's what God is calling us to, to rededicate our lives and to say, hey, I'm making a major U-turn in my life. I hear God calling me. I'm ready to respond to him. And the third is this. You know, if you've never officially made the decision to follow Christ, you flip on the headlights, and you know what's in the headlights? It's called the starting line. Not the finish line, the starting line. You're not even in the race yet. Okay? So what's step number one for you? Get on board with Jesus. Invite him to be the GPS in your life. And, and, and give the rest of your life to him. Pursuing, following Uh, and finding and following his will because he has marked out for you the very best path in life. I'm going to pray. While I pray, you do your business with God, even as I do mine. Lord, thank you so much that you have offered to be our personal consultant in life. And thank you so much that you have marked out not just a good course for us, but the best path we should take in this life. And Lord, we are here because we don't want to be like the horse and the mule who need a bit to be sort of manhandled or God-handled in this life. So Lord, would you speak to us now, even about small things in our life that we need to take through this process of repentance so that we can experience the full freedom of knowing that we are not just somewhere near your will, but we're in the flow of it. For those of us who need to repent of a sin here or there, would you call us to that so we can work on that this week and take it through this process? For those of us that need just a complete overhaul, God, would you call us to yourself today that this would be a coming home experience for us? For those of us who just need to get in the game, would you call us to become followers of Christ? I pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.